I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, Yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Hey guys, welcome back to West Coast Mix and Bounce. We are back from the All-Star break. Uh, We may have not gotten a break, but they did. So (laughs) we're ready to talk all about it and what that looks like for second half season expectations, trade deadline options. And of course, we're going to talk about All-Star Sunday because it was only like 24 hours, but I think it was like the best 24 hours that I've experienced in a long time, especially in a pandemic. (laughs) Um, so, Leslie, how did you how did you feel about All-Star Sunday? Yeah, well, first, like, yeah, it was only a day, a one-day event, and I think that worked out perfectly because they honestly, they want to make it a whole weekend out of it, so they stretch it out, and it's understandable. They're trying to make money, trying to make it, like, a, a thing, an event. But it all worked out in just one day because you get by them really quickly and you're not really stuck on a certain event. Um, right. The skills challenge, I mean... And I, I don't know. Were you? Was I really impressed with any of the events? Maybe not the skills challenge. <laughs> Three point contest was very exciting, and the game was good. But um, the skills challenge. I mean, it's just you know, still a fairly new contest, so it just needs to add a little bit more oomph. But they had the Indiana Pacers. Demontis Sabonis was the winner, and um, I think it was kind of a good, like. I don't know, a little peek of what's to come in the NBA because this is, I think, the first, not the first, I think he's like the fourth um, big who has won since 2016. And mm-hmm. um, they hadn't had any bigs in the competition before that. So, and since they allowed them in or, or uh, changed the rules, they've won four of the six competitions since then. So, I mean, it alludes to the type of skills that the centers have nowadays in the NBA. And so... They're beating out players like Luca, who was a part mm-hmm. of it too, and um, I mean it was it was okay. I enjoyed it. How did what did you think about it? Yeah, I mean I felt the same. Um, I felt like the players were just kind of there, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, they were like, oh yeah, we're just gonna you know just wiggle it out, have fun with it, because this is like passing, you know, a little, like, back-and-forth crossover action, little layup, little three-pointer. So um, it's nothing too competitive, but it was fun to watch. I think it was very interesting that this is the fifth time that, um, just, you know, referring to the West Coast, uh, Chris Paul is 0-5 in the in the skills challenge. Like, dude, why what? are you even a part of this anymore? <laughs> um, I feel like he'd just be out there having fun, too. Uh, I think... Watching Sabanis, we've all seen him kind of grow uh, between this year. Um, Just being selected as an all-star was like, you know, a big accomplishment for him. And But the last person who won, like, in the 
Pacific Division was Steph Curry in 2011. So nobody oh. from our division has won the skills <laughs> challenge since then. So I guess that says a lot about the difference between um, just the divisions and the conferences. Like who's who's really focused on like their well-rounded list. Like how how much can they pass? How much can they you know shoot from different parts of the floor? Um, so it just kind of plays on that. I thought it was interesting. Now the three-point contest though. That was fun to watch. <laughs> it was. It was so exciting. Like I was like at the edge of my I was gonna say my seat, but I was actually on my couch, so I was at the edge of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to know that I mean Steph Curry defending his you know, title, I guess you can say, or his crown as like a three point king because he really waited until the last two balls. He like held it like I was like oh my gosh I, I wasn't even breathing because I was like is he really gonna win or is he gonna let Connolly win right now mm-hmm. <laughs> so but he hit those two those those two corner shots like he didn't even have to think about it everybody was talking about how like one of the shots didn't even touch the the net like the net didn't move I was like that's Curry like he shoots threes in his sleep <laughs> yeah I think um he becomes the seventh player in NBA history to win the contest multiple times so now he's won twice and I know I was like I was almost biting my nails off because I was like wait he's gonna wait and he only beat Conley by one point so I was like talk about a nail but <laughs> fighter but I mean Seriously. it's it's Curry he's like if he hasn't already proved to you that he's the best shooter in NBA history like I don't know what else he has to do. He, and then we'll get into the Team LeBron versus Team KD game. But he was out there like just making everything. Like his form is so perfect. Effortless. It, he looks like a robot out there. Like doop doop doop. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. But yeah, it was one exciting. Of, one of the like ball people that was sitting down. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it on Twitter. He was like watching Curry shoot the three from his section, and he just started shaking his head because he just kept making them. Like he went, um, I think almost perfect in the first round. He made thirty one. Okay. So just, I mean, he literally just like he always does, just comes onto the floor, on, onto the floor like hot. But I think it was kind of, it was like a little disappointing to see that. Our, our boy D. Brick didn't actually make it to the All-Star, mm-hmm. to All-Star Sunday. And he was actually supposed to compete in the three-point contest, but Mike Connolly took that um, spot. And the last time he won, he won in 2018. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was interesting. It was fun. But the <laughs> slam dunk contest was also uh, kind of reworked to be a halftime slam dunk contest show. Correct, when correct. I was... I was kind of disappointed. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Uh, I feel like it just doesn't have that same, I don't know, like that oomph, that creativity that we've seen in the past few seasons. And I don't know if it's the lack of creativity or it's the way it's being judged or the judges or like, because they they made it into a halftime show, so it cuts down the time or maybe it's the amount of tries but mm-hmm. I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think, I'm just going to say it. I think <laughs> since they did Aaron Gordon Dirty in 2016, they have mm-hmm. not recovered since then. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how how does he do, how does he dunk and do what he did and not win he, on the first try with all that creativity and just not win? And then you have other players who do it a little bit less than that the bare minimum and they're getting the win. I don't know. I feel like 
there needs to be a revival for that contest. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. It, it's a little, um, what's the word? It's, it's like almost played out. It's, it's underplayed, I feel like. And the, and the judges are usually past um, dunk contest winners, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, I guess. But it's just like, what standard are you holding them up to? Because a lot of them are older. You know, I'm sure they still watch the game, but it's just like, these players and most of them i don't know if all, all of them are rookies i know two of them are rookies so it's just kind of like you have these young guys out here they probably been dunking on like blacktop court since they were young and it's like it's not the same idea that you would see like players from 10 15 years ago did in the dunk contest mm-hmm. granted um and fernie probably butchered his name <laughs> Um, Simmons was the one who won, Mm -hmm. uh, from, and he's the first trailblazer to ever win in the dunk contest. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did appreciate the fact that he paid homage, uh, to Tracy McGrady and he did the 360 and he wore the Jersey. Mm -hmm. That was fire. I mean, when, when is a 360 dunk not fire, but the fact that he did that and then he did the whole like kissing the rim thing, which was a little weird during a panoramic, but you know, we're going <laughs> to let him have it. He didn't actually kiss it, but he came real, real close. I mean, I mean he made a lot of people nervous. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think Cassius, I, be- I believe his name is Cassius Stanley. Mm-hmm. I feel like he got played in the first, like the, the first round. Because he threw himself at alley oop between the legs and then dunked left handed. And it's just like, it may not look, I don't know, it may not look like fantastic in real time, but when you slow it down and you think about the technique Mm -hmm. that it takes to do that and the fact that he didn't get a perfect score was like, what? And I feel like that also kind of hurt his, um, just his enthusiasm overall. Cause he came back in the second round and he like missed a few dunks and then he went for like a basic one hand slam. So granted, I think he jumped, I mean, he jumped pretty far. It wasn't the free throw line, but he jumped pretty far for that dunk. But it's just that, it's just that idea. Like, is it all looks? Is it technique? Like, how are they scoring this? You know, mm-hmm. is it all hype? Is it like they're looking for a crowd reaction or what is it? I Yeah, I think it's too many variables and it needs to be reworked, kind of like the All-Star game has been. And now it's like a new format that works. Mm-hmm. I think it just needs a new like revival or something because it's kind of like lacking at this point. The fact that we're more excited for the three-point contest than the dunk contest, I think, tells you everything. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think, yeah, they need to rework it. Either like the judging or the scoring or maybe the amount of tries or the rounds i don't know i don't know hopefully next year or later this year or however they plan in the all-star um weekend maybe or all-star day uh hopefully next time they'll you know figure it out a little bit more because i do agree with you that the way that they've staged the all-star game gives it more of a unique spin i feel like all of us like all basketball fans were totally confused when they first did this because i was like what yeah does this even mean because <laughs> like, it is kind of complex when you think about it but i feel like once everybody got used to it it's like okay they like have a quarter they get kind of like um that quarter win and then the fact that they were able to incorporate donations for HBCUs, they did exactly. the whole court dedicated to HBCUs, which I thought was 
amazing. I was kind of, I was actually really blown away with the presentation and they had um, different like kids and I say kids, but college students in leadership. I feel old. Oh my God. I want to take that back. <laughs> um, but like different students, I'll say students in leadership come and talk about, you know, the importance of um, campus interaction and, and uh, philanthropy and what it means to them to be a part of it. And I think highlighting that was really amazing because basketball touches so many people, you know, not just on the court, but beyond it, especially with players and um, getting involved in their community. So I think the way it played out is like every team, each, whatever team won the quarter, they get to donate however much money they want to their decided HBCU. Mm -hmm. So in the end, Team LeBron massacred <laughs> Team Durant as, as he, mm -hmm. I mean, as he usually does, um, and donated up to a million dollars, I believe, to Thurgood Marshall. So I thought that was a really good initiative. Yeah, that's why I think I like the new the new format because each quarter is kind of worth something. So you don't have to wait till the fourth quarter to be like, okay, now it's time to play. You Every quarter is worth something. And if you don't win, you're not winning for your um, desired organization. And as we saw with Team LeBron, Team LeBron was in it. They won, and they won big. And I think, um, yeah, the it was the draft, the way they televise it now, the comments uh -huh. they make like what they say you know i think that adds more hype more to the game on sunday so i think it was a very good choice i feel like you're right at the beginning i was like i don't know this is too many rules so many questions <laughs> but now it's like oh okay no we i get it it makes sense and of course we know team lebron won 170 to 150 and Giannis won MVP. He was 16 of 16 with 35 points and was 3 of 3 from the three-point line. So they did not come to play. They came to win. Even though LeBron sat out for most of the game, <laughs> they were winning. The man had like four points, I think. He just... Yeah. Like... <laughs> he took on the coach GM role very seriously. <laughs> yes, very seriously. He was like, I'm just going to sit on the sideline and be cool. He was like eating snacks at some point. I was like, he's just there so he don't get fined. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, he didn't want to be there in the first place. So let's just yeah. keep it what it is. But I mean, it was so fun. It was still good to watch. Uh, it, you know, and then at the end with that pull up three from half court, almost from half court from Lillard, I'm Damn. like, I, that just tells you how powerful team LeBron was against team Katie. <laughs> Seriously though. No, I thought like the, the way that LeBron picked his team this year was one, it was kind of unfair. It was like tampering, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> so strategic, like, right? Yeah. He really picked the best of the best to be on his team. Like you're talking about, you're talking about team leaders. You're talking about league leaders. You're talking about MVP candidates. Like LeBron had them stacked. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was the first time that Bron and Steph were teammates. And I thought it was so funny how Steph like got on the sideline and like watched LeBron throw up the, the baby powder into the mm -hmm. air. I was like, imagine if they were actual teammates like how insane would that be such a fangirl moment for curry he was like you know what i'm gonna make use of this time right here but honestly yeah. and i love that about the game because 
even though they are technically rivals, they're in the same division, same coast, like, you know, when we have Curry with the Warriors and LeBron with the Lakers, they still manage to have fun and make it, make it like a light situation for everybody, which is so cool to watch. Mm-hmm. It is. And then I thought it was also hilarious that the game ended on Dame time and then Paul George, like, issued this weird apology <laughs> um, of when he, like, talked all this crap about... Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, when Dame hit that first, like, really, really big three to end the game. I I, I feel like something was on the line, too, and he, like, fell back, and then that was I when think, the famous... I think it was in the playoffs, right? Was it? I, I feel like it was. And, like, that, the, that famous meme came out when he was, like, laying back in his team arms mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it was last last season face. was it last last season or this season no i think it was last last yeah before season. yeah because there was a crowd and everything so yeah <laughs> pre pre um covid <laughs> yeah pre-COVID. yeah i mean it's what well, i think he said like oh that wasn't a good shot so like it, mm-hmm. it was like kind of luck and it's like Mm-mm-mm. it's not yeah. luck it's not because Lillard and Curry were just shooting from anywhere on that court. And I was like, damn, it's really going in. Like, yeah. they're really good at shooting. That's what I was just like, unbelievable, unbelievable. And of course, Giannis was like on point, like 100%, literally on point. So I think it was it was a good one day weekend, one day yeah. all-star weekend. I think that that works. Yeah, I would say for the like, you know, 12 hours of play and kind of 24 hours of chit chat on social media. It was, it was good. It was just enough, you know, during a whole situation (laughs) that we're still having in this country. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But now they're back to their regular schedule. The playing tournament starts on May 18th. um, When I think it's like the bottom four teams play to get the eighth spot, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So now everybody's kind of looking towards, where where are they going to be seated? You know who's really come who's competitive? Who's coming out of this All Star break different, either good or bad? Uh, so we're going to get into that, and mm-hmm. we can start first with the Warriors because <laughs> right now they're just sitting a little above five hundred. Um, they're twenty one and twenty. They've been kind of like really half seas on their their wins and losses, uh, and they had a four game losing streak. So that was the longest of, of this season for them. Um, so so what are your expectations for the I, Warriors? I mean, I just hope, well, I don't hope, but I feel like they have to be consistent if they want to get a little bit further, even mm-hmm. into the play-in situation. Is their lack of consistency that's not helping. And it's like, and you can't put all that pressure on Curry the Warriors, I feel like, need to take some time, especially right now with the trade deadline coming up on March 25th, to kind of further develop their team and need players who can help Curry and can be consistent. Because I feel like in the last, since um, the All-Star break, Wiggins and Oubre have kind of just been, you know, not 100. Like, they, they have yet to prove themselves to be that consistent third, fourth person for Curry. Green is just green. So I feel like at this point, you can't ask for more of him. He's just going to be dream on green at this point. So they need they need more. They need more. And I feel like if they, depending also maybe on what trade moves they make, can maybe change my mind of what I expect from the Warriors this season or to end the season. But I just feel like 
if they are not being consistent, it's it's not even looking possible. Like if they're gonna be in the play-in. Yeah, that they're sitting ninth right now in the Western Conference. Uh, just outside the Mavs, they're like a half a game, to, a game and a half outside. Um, so. I definitely agree with that. And the fact that I think the biggest thing that I noticed, especially going towards a trade deadline, which I believe is March 25th, mm-hmm. um, we always known the Warriors to be a three point shooting team. Like yeah. that's just that's their dagger. That's like what they use. And the fact that they are still without clay, they fell to like 35 percent um, for team shooting for, from the three, which is not good for the Warriors. <laughs> Usually that's like 45 or more percent. Um, and the fact that they don't have that is like, okay, who are y'all going to bring in? That's also a shooter who can mesh well uh, with Curry. And I feel like Curry doesn't have that second person to lean on. Draymond, he's inconsistent. You know, some days he wants to have a triple-double and some days he wants to have two points. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and you could tell that within the last few games, in the win against Houston, Draymond had a triple-double. But in the loss against the Lakers, I don't think he had barely any points um, on the board. So it's just like that inconsistency is, one, not going to help Steph, nor is it going to ha- help, help anybody else, like, you know, creating that, or, or or giving that kind of momentum to the rest of the team. Again, versus Utah, they had a win. Draymond had a triple-double. So it's like, are you going to show up every night? Are you going to show up some nights? Your younger guys, like Wiseman, he was out for missing a COVID test, which was completely ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. dude, <laughs> we're in a Panasonic. Go take your test. <laughs> um, but, like, and then they had some injuries. Um and I, I just feel like they don't have, they have like pieces to the puzzle, but it's just like, where are y'all about to connect the dots? Yeah. Um, I I was reading up that I think, one, they don't have a ton of cap space uh, to bring people in, but options that they may or may not have right now is somebody like JJ Redick, you know, sharpshooter, or George Hill, somebody who's, a, you know, a defender, but also a shooter. So they definitely need that because I feel like some of the the biggest losses they take, one, they get blown out. Two, they cannot catch up because their shooters are mishapping. (laughs) They need someone else, like, definitely to help Curry out. And even if there's a trade made or not enough trade or they don't have enough cap space, I, I do not see the Warriors doing anything this season. They're just inconsistent, like, as a whole. Because even if Curry and Draymond got it together, like, if Draymond got it together all of a sudden... Like, I don't think it would still be enough because they are still a pretty young team. Their bench is not consistent either. So it's like, uh, I feel like we've seen Curry be the leader. And so I know they're not going to go down without a fight. But if we're going to be realistic, it's tough to beat a team like the Lakers or like the Clippers, who are like top contenders right now, at least in the West, to beat them Mm -hmm. with that kind of team that the Warriors have. So, I mean... Maybe I don't. I, I know Victor Oladipo ha, is gonna be traded from the Rockets. The Rockets can't keep him; they're gonna lose him for anything. So maybe he's like looking like a possible candidate. I don't, I really don't know anything about the Warriors' cap space. So, <laughs> but if there was a player mm-hmm. that could make a difference, I would say um, Oladipo. 
that's who I would be like. Definitely. Who who would be maybe a trade piece, and and with the Warriors they actually have pieces to trade, so maybe that could be a situation that happens. But even if it does, I feel like okay, we're already in that second half of the season. Will he be able to adjust? Will anybody who they trade for be able to adjust in time for them to make it a serious serious playoff run? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I don't think at this point either. I, I agree with that. Whoever they may or may not add, and hopefully, like you said, they have pieces to trade away, like Ubre and Wiggins. And it's just like, do you want to give those people up just yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and and who's going to surmount to that amount of play? Because granted, they may not be completely consistent, but they are. I feel like there is a, a growth aspect with those players. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's just like, what are you willing to risk for For what reward are you looking for? And I think really it's just kind of a watch and see situation, see what see what plays out. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's another team also that is kind of like on the same, the same line, but not so much. It's probably the Clippers too. I don't know if they can make much moves mm-hmm. for this second half of the season. But I do know that they need to make a move. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not, they don't suck. They don't suck. No. But they, it only seems to be, like, it's the George and Leonard show. And that, that's about it. Like, they have nobody else on that squad. And, yeah. like, and it's, like, offensively speaking, because I feel like they're doing everything. And so they have to at least make a move to, for George and Leonard to help because if not they're gonna burn out pretty soon and you don't want them to burn out in the playoffs again for like the third season in a row <laughs> no. yeah, so I mean I expect the Clippers to make moves um which moves I think they need a better point guard uh, Beverly is currently out and even when he was in he wasn't doing much on the offensive offensive end and then you also, well, you still have Lou Williams, you know, reigning six man or not reigning. I mean, six man of the year. But he kind of seems to be kind of, I feel like, out of it this season. I don't know. I just remember, like, in past seasons, you know, I would hear, like, oh, he's going off. You know, he's scoring. He's passing. He's doing this. He's doing that for the Clippers. But I feel like yeah. this season, it's been different. And I don't know if it's due to maybe the trade rumors or like or the, that kind of been surrounding him at least for the past season, or I don't know what it is. But he's maybe he's also getting older. I don't know. He's just not at the same level. And then so you don't have Lou, you don't have Beverly. Then what? What do the Clippers have then as a you know as a point guard? And I feel like they kind of need to fix that situation a little bit in order for them to not get burned out come playoff time. Right. Yeah. I think the Clippers, because they spent so much money on Paul Paul George Mm -hmm. and um, Kwai and just literally couldn't put put it in better terms that it's literally the PG and Kwai show. Like, everybody else is just kind of like, you know, uh, supporting actors in this whole charade that they have going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, they're still up there, you know, as far as wins, as far as competitive competitiveness. But you can tell that there are holes there in which I feel like their chemistry is not all the way connected, almost. And I think because they're lacking that 
definite um, point guard position that they don't have that facilitator. Mm-hmm. It's it's I think it's like a Pacific Division thing. It's like when they don't have a point guard, it's like they all look a mess. They're like these big guys, awkward, just running around the yes. court trying to figure out how to pass and who's open, and it, it, it's it's awkward to watch. Um, and the fact that their point guards that they have had, like you said, Pat Bev. Um, and Reggie Jack is Reggie Jackson. Those are their like two designated guys for that position. Is like ah, eh, they're they're not doing they're not doing everything that they can do to get the Clippers, um, you know, on on top on top. Mm-hmm. No, oh, yeah, excuse I, me. It's okay. <laughs> so and like I said, even coming back from the All Star break, the Doubleheader against Dallas, you could see that that mm-hmm. consistency is not there. One they, one of them they won one hundred nine to ninety nine, and then the next one they got like got beat down one hundred five to eighty nine. So it's just like, what? <laughs> How could y'all lose that much consistency in those two games? And that says a lot for what is playoffs going to look like? Are y'all going to go in and win and then get blown out the second game and it's going to be like a back and forth until one of your main guys is exhausted? Um, Are you going to have that extra piece to come in and be like, all right, let me open up the floor for y'all. Let me, let me dictate a little bit. So I know there was rumors about uh, Derek Rose coming, which would be a huge piece to add to them, but then there's also the question of how is that chemistry going to work with them? I know Lonzo Ball is also up. Um, he, he's able to be traded. So I I do think they need that that other guard position to help. Yeah, I think I, from what I read mostly, I think it's Lonzo Ball from the rumors as well. I mean, he's younger, better, pa- better at passing, better at playmaking, maybe better than Lou and Beverly at, at those aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, but he is also young and probably um, doesn't have that much experience. But like, what would they be able to part? What what would the Clippers be able to part without Lou Williams? Because I feel like he's been such a huge piece, at least for the Clippers, not this season. So maybe they're willing to give him up. I think it depends on that. Like, if they're willing to like kind of give up on Lou, because he's probably going to be a trading piece if it is him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. And then you could also do Ricky Rubio, maybe. I'll, the the possibilities are endless for them. They just have to do something because I feel like they're inconsistent. And if they don't want to get, I don't know. I feel I feel like secondhand embarrassment for them if they don't want to get blown out mm-hmm. of the playoffs again. <laughs> they gotta again. make a move. I expect them to go to the playoffs, but I don't know if they're gonna get much further if they don't really make a move here. Yeah, and then um, they had like a yeah they had that three game losing streak against three top teams Milwaukee, Boston, and Washington. So mm, the yeah, idea of competitiveness, granted, like they were on like a five game road trip or something. They've been on a lot of road games, which is also extremely exhausting. But this the second half, especially, I feel like after All Star break is I don't know. It's very foreshadowing of what is to come so yeah i agree i agree let's talk about another team who what expectations we have (laughs) oh first off ad come back baby we miss you gosh (laughs) dude okay so they've won i think five out of five out of the last six or am i 
think five out of the last six they've won. So imagine I, my exp- so I had notes for this like <laughs> two, a few days ago that have completely changed because I was like, well, they're actually killing it right now. Right, and, like, oh, they suck. Oh, wait a minute. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, I was so heartbroken going into All-Star Week, All-Star Sunday, and then here we go on, uh, they're, they're like a completely different team. Like, they changed, the, they re- that one week really helped them. But mm-hmm. I feel like, obviously, I think we've all said this before, we've said this before, like, we expect them to go into the playoffs, into the finals, maybe more so now than ever because they've kind of managed to, like, turn things around. But they still are in need. Obviously, they need more depth in the front court, the center power forward position. But I feel like it's kind of like, mm, well, can they do anything about it, though? Because if you if I looked at their, like, their training pieces or their capsules, they really don't have enough for trades they probably have enough for some buyouts and there's like huge there's probably going to be huge names on the market but will they be able to give them enough money for them to sign on so i feel like definitely they need more depth in the front court you know center power forward position but will they be able to get it it's kind of the thing and will another team be able to kind of beat the Lakers further down the road because they have those positions <laughs> um, set mm-hmm. solid. So I feel like it's going to be it's going to be kind of a tough one for the Lakers just because they kind of need more help in that area. But granted, they are without AD. Obviously, when he comes back, they get that depth. <laughs> yeah. And the only issue is with him is kind of like, at first, they were like, oh, a few weeks. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. Maybe, like, a few more weeks. And then they were like, a few more with possibly more weeks after that. And it's just like, wow, okay. But, like you said, the idea of how they're playing has definitely changed. They went on, like, a four-game losing streak right after AD fell out mm-hmm. over Valentine's Day weekend. And then they were pretty inconsistent until they went recently on a four-game winning streak. And I feel like now they're trying to... They're looking more like a team that's like, we have to play without AD, period. Yes. They they understand that. And they're like, how are we going to do that? And I feel like that's what's been playing out over the past few weeks. Is like, how do we function without him? Because they're still a championship caliber team, even without AD, which is a lot to say about them, even without, you know, some of their biggest players like Mark Gasol, Alex Caruso, they've been out also, you know, it's not just AD, they've had, they've suffered quite a few oh, injuries yeah. um, in the past few weeks. Yes, they lost their biggest piece, um, or one of their biggest pieces, but thank God for LeBron James, <laughs> um, because he has been getting triple doubles and, you know, uh, getting more records on his list of records that he has <laughs> and he's kind of woken up and it's like all right maybe I need to be a Cleveland LeBron right now or something like that where it's just like I need to put everybody on my back and we just need to push forward until we get to where we need to be which is obviously playoffs because I don't think even at this point without AD that they would fall out of the top eight I just don't see that happening mm-hmm. um but definitely, like you like you said, we've been talking about this, especially leading up to the trade deadline, that they should probably have somebody else that's like a rim protector or just a big guy who's uh, who can also shoot from the 
three, but is also a really big defender because that was AD's hugest presence was definitely his defense. Um, and if they want to go for somebody like George Hill, there's kind of like some lesser names like Kyle Anderson, Wade Ellington. Um, if they wanted to, you, we both know like they really don't have a lot of pieces to uh, get rid of, but there are some really good names on the market for them if mm-hmm. they wanted to like risk it all or risk something um, and pull somebody in just for for the sake of it. Uh, but because they're winning now, that may be a different kind of desperation tactic for them. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you have players like Aldridge and Drummond who are probably going to be um, buyouts and on the market. So maybe mm-hmm. they'll be on the Lakers top list. But because of the situation, well, you have like, you know, Damian Jones, he's on a 10 day contract. So they're like, you know what, let's not get too desperate. Let's not do anything crazy. We'll just keep renewing this contract until we see like, you know what, we do need more depth. We're fine. Or we just waiting on AD. And I feel like also, I've, it may, I'm, I'm, it's great that you brought it up because health is so important for the Lakers. And oh, they gosh. seem like they have not been on that track. You mentioned AD. We don't really know when he's coming back. They keep on adding weeks and weeks to that timetable. And then we, there was a time they didn't have Dennis Schroeder. They didn't have Alex Caruso. So it's like they once one player adds up, you add two or three more, then they all start to add up. And obviously you're not going to win when you don't have a full healthy squad. So, I mean... <laughs> Also, given that the team is healthy, then the Lakers can just go back into that rhythm that they've been, and it's pro- it's working for them. Obviously, and they have everybody back, I think, except AD, and I think um, Antetokounmpo, Giannis's brother, was out just for like some COVID regulation or whatever. But he's um he's a two way, so we won't talk about him. But anyways, but for the most part, you know, they're winning, they're healthy, and if they continue to stay that way, I don't see why they would need to do anything crazy and, like, you know, put all their money in a basket for a certain player or make a huge trade. Especially when you have, like, obviously you're going to have all these players available that sound enticing, but then you would have to give up a lot uh, coming from the Lakers end for that to happen. So, like, I've seen Miles Turner, like, rumors. But most of these packages would have to include Montrezl Harold, And Ugh. I don't think they're willing to give up Harold at this point just because he's become such a huge piece for the Lakers. I mean, so I in my head, it don't make sense. No. But you never know. <laughs> I mean, you me never know what's going to happen. Honestly, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I've been – I've been continuing to ask this question in my head, but I haven't said it out loud. Why don't they start him? Like, he's coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. 26, 27 points, you know, following up right behind LeBron, and I feel like he's become that, like, other AD for LeBron. Mm -hmm. They always call him undersized and all this other stuff, but I'm like, he is literally leading the team um, from field goal percentage, I think at, like, 65 percent or something something crazy like that like he's shooting and he's coming off the bench and it's like why don't you bring that momentum into the starting lineup and see how that affects things maybe if they get a little more desperate say if they can't find another piece in in the trade deadline situation maybe they will start him but I'm just like I feel like he's made such a big impact as a sixth man Mm -hmm. that you could bring him into the starting lineup. 
I think what you said, I think if it gets too desperate, he will get into the starting lineup. But because they're probably winning now, maybe it was a t- maybe it was a lineup they could have used like if they would have kept losing come um after All-Star break. But I feel like they're winning. They're like, "You know what? Let's just keep it as it is. We're getting all our healthy players back and we'll just keep it as it is. If something changes, then maybe that might be an option." Has he ever started? This That's season? a good question. I don't think so. Mm. They they signed Damian Jones to that contract, and then he started. Um, and then they had the saw. Obviously, he's been out, so he hasn't been starting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's Maybe it's that six-man you know, mentality that they want for the bench as well. Because if right. you take that out, then you just have a, a fire, like a fire starting team, and then you have a weak ass bench. So maybe that's what's <laughs> happening. I don't know, but I feel like whatever role he's in, he's gonna succeed in, and he because he really does play with that much passion and enthusiasm for the game, and it's yeah. crazy because I'm just like some days, I just really don't care, and I'm like this guy shows up like to all 82 games. I'm like that's crazy the. The amount of energy and power you must have to do that, it's beyond me. So I give him a lot of props. And I don't think the Lakers want anything that includes Montrezl Harold leaving. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely not at this point. Mm-mm. Now, if AD was like 100% healthy all the time, it may have been a different situation. But oh, yeah. we all know that's not the case. <laughs> oh, poor AD, man. He needs to get it together. I know. Eat, eat, eat your veggies, AD. What are you doing? <laughs> we gotta we gotta pray to the basketball gods do some voodoo <laughs> magic I or know, something right? some what's little, happening some LA magic out there um <laughs> but yeah you know just in the in the state over almost the suns mm-hmm. um are they look i mean perfect to me almost <laughs> i was gonna say another team that came out hot was the suns too like they're getting their wins they're they have their two players like you know it's all-stars they are competitive. They're getting the respect around the league. Like, finally, I feel like this time around, it's really happening. So, I mean, they could make trades to maybe further push that narrative. But I don't I don't really want them to do anything crazy or too desperate. That just messes up whatever synchronicity they have going on there. I know that's not a word, but you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think it's like sort of a word, but we're going to let you have that one. <laughs> I'm going to go urban Google it right now. <laughs> no, urban dictionary. What's up? But uh, no, I definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, I keep saying it, but it's just like we watched the Suns go from the worst team in the league to third in the Western Conference. And they were I think they were one at some point for maybe a hot second there. Oh, wow. um, and then the Lakers jumped them and then Utah jumped them, um, <laughs> the Lakers. So, and the, and the jazz just, they won't die, but you know, we're going to leave that over there. Um, but yeah, for the Suns to be above 600 um, and the fact that they're healthy, uh, they have their star players, Devin Booker and CP three, two great, two great players that play very well off of each other, kind of this, like, younger mentality. I always forget, like, Devin Booker is 24 years old. He's the I eighth know. youngest player now to have 100 games with 30-plus points. Jeez. So he's still super impressionable, but he's also greatness. Um, and then you have Chris Paul, who's kind of like this, like, uncle on the teams. Like, I've been here, I've done that, <laughs> but, you know, I'm here to facilitate and add any power and strength that I can um, and then you really do have, like, the bench players, 
coming up, uh, the younger guys that are following in their lead. And it's just like it's almost too easy for them. You have DeAndre Ayton uh, shooting 60% right now. Uh, granted, you know, they've they've had a few losses, but out of all the teams we just talked about, they have the most wins within, like, the last 20 games. I believe they've only had, like, five losses within the last 21 games, and they're the only team wow. in the Pacific Division that could say that they've been that consistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they've been that healthy because they really haven't lost anybody this whole season um, for any long period of time. Devin Booker was out with uh, a, a almost an insignificant injury. Um, that's why he missed the All-Star Day. Correct. But he's already back in the scoring. I think he scored like 35 points in, yeah, 35 points in their last game versus Minnesota and went 13 of 22. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the Suns really need to make any big moves. Um I saw something funny about them trying to get Joel Embiid. It was like, LOL, okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, if anything, maybe another shooter or guard, something, somebody mm-hmm. like maybe like Austin Rivers or something like that. But I don't really think they are in, they are not in need as, as like the other teams. Yeah, I agree. I see them being in, in the same boat as the Lakers. They really don't have much to trade with. And even if they did, they probably shouldn't because whatever they have going on right now is, like, working for them. But with that being said, like, I don't – maybe a buyout and we'll see who's available. But I agree, you know, they need maybe a little bit more help around Booker on the offensive side. So maybe, like, um, J.J. Redick or George Hill, you know, as a buyout, not really, like, a serious trade. But, I mean Mm – it's kind of the usuals that are on the list and we'll, and anyone that's a playoff contending team wants to make their team better and we'll see who they kind of end up deciding which team to go with. Same thing with I think with Griffin. I think he just ended up going with the Nets. So he's like, Okay, this is my this is my pick. But yeah, I just the Suns are vibing right now. They are kind of getting to the point where it could be a possible scary situation because just let their confidence get better and they're just Uh playing and i mean it's i wish them all the best of luck continue to stay healthy because i really do want to see them in the playoffs i really want them to like kind of show up and be like okay this is this is what we've been waiting for and this is how we're gonna play and when you have booker and you have chris paul you have Aiden, and they're all kind of being consistent, as you mentioned. I don't see why not. I mean, I expect yeah. them to go into the playoffs, and they they better. The, the <laughs> fact that they literally messed the playoffs by a hair when they went into the bubble, but yet yes. went undefeated, like, was like, I think that was a turning point for them. It's like, we are definitely contenders, period. We just got to get in now. So uh, the fact that they haven't dropped, I don't think, maybe out of the top five since the season began, uh, is that's that's good for them. And it is. I feel the same way. I wish the best of luck. It's been a long time coming. Okay? Yeah. Long time. <laughs> so it would be great to see them actually get the chance to be com- competitive in that realm. Yeah, their off-season moves that they made last last um, before the season started, I think that kind of just had set them up properly because, you know, Chris Paul. <laughs> right, so, which we were all like, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> we're all, imagine that. Imagine how far we've come from being like so shook. So I mean, I don't I don't think I would expect them to do anything. But if they would, I feel like they just have to get maybe a little bit more offense around Booker and then that would be it. Or some like, you know, another another person for Paul to kind of play with. But um, yeah, I mean, they they got it. They got it for sure. All right. I think that's it. We covered All Star Sunday, which was so fun. And then we also did our expectations for the second half of the season. And I think uh, we're going to obviously come back to them because I hope whatever we predicted happens. (laughs) And so we can be on point. But um, yeah, so thank you for listening to West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm Leslie Torres with... Brana Marks. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys.